Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. You can find out more on the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. I encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about uh, asking the question, is it a luck or a miracle? Samoset and the Pilgrims met on March the 16th, 400 years ago. And also visit with Tatiana Fortune. She is the uh, Senior Center Director for the Golden Gate Senior Center. Uh, some interesting things happening there as well. It is March the 22nd, and on this day in 1765, in an effort to raise funds to pay off debts and defend the vast new American territories won from the French in the Seven-Year War. If you're not familiar with that, that happened between 1756 and six, uh, 1763. The British government passed the Stamp Act on March the 22nd. The legislation levied a direct tax on all materials printed for commercial and legal use in colonies from newspapers and pamphlets to playing cards and dice, though the Stamp Act employed a, a strategy that was a common fundraising vehicle in England. It stirred a storm of protest in the colonies. The colonies had recently been hit with three major taxes, the Sugar Act in 1764, which levied new duties on imports of textiles, wines, coffee, and sugar, the Currency Act in 1764, which caused a major decline in the value of paper money used by the colonists, and the Quartering Act 1765, which required colonists to provide food and lodging to British troops. With the passing of the Stamp Act, the colonists grumbled, finally came to an articulated response uh, to which they saw at the mother country's attempt to undermine the, the economic strength and independence. They raised the issue of taxation without representation and formed societies throughout the colonies to rally against the British government and nobles who sought to exploit the colonies at the, as a source of revenue in raw materials. By October that year, nine of the 13 colonies sent representatives to the Stamp Act Congress, at which the colonists drafted the Declaration of Rights and Grievances, a document that rallied against the autocratic policies of the mercantilist British Empire. Realizing that it actually cost more to enforce the Stamp Act in the protesting colonies than it did to abolish it, the British government repealed the tax the following year. The fracas over the Stamp Act, though, helped plant the seed for a far larger movement against the British government and the eventual battle for independence. Most important of these was the formation of the Sons of Liberty, a group of tradesmen who led anti-British protests in Boston and other seaboard cities, and other groups of wealthy landowners who became 
from the, across the colonies who uh, gathered together as well. Well, after the Stamp Act was repealed, those societies continued to meet in opposition to what they saw as abusive policies of the British Empire. Out of their meetings, a growing national emergence that would accumulate in the fighting of the American Revolution only a decade later. So you can look back to the Stamp Act as one of the causes of uh, the American Revolution. Well, uh, let's take a look at COVID numbers. Uh, on Saturday, there were 77 new cases. On Friday, uh, there were only 56 state re uh, reported cases and 44, I should say 39 more cases uh, yesterday. So 44 are in the hospital. It looks like this thing is really dying out. Only 160 cases over a three-day uh, weekend. Pretty amazing. Things aren't going quite as well in Miami Beach. On Saturday, city officials declared a state of emergency in its entertainment district amid a large surge in tourism. Miami Beach has been flooded by spring breakers who are trying to soak up some sun. The Sunshine State is quite the appeal since the coronavirus restrictions are practically non-existent. There's a lot of cheap flights down here. But the influx of visitors has led to massive crowds with many not wearing masks or social distancing and the spring breakers aren't any or anything goes mentality has led to dozens of arrests in response the city implemented an 8 p.m curfew until at least april the 11th and officials are saying it's become more than they can quote unquote handle so uh spring breakers <laughs> pretty much going berserk in miami beach it's too bad unfortunate but of course that's uh, they're just young kids though of course there's going to be questions about whether they're super spreaders my guess is we're not going to see a big spread of coronavirus after they leave don't know that we'll see the cdc has made it official changing its school desk spacing guidance from six feet to three feet a tacit admission that its recent teacher union dictated school opening guidance actually ignored the agency's own science keeping schools closed. Uh, CDC's own Wisconsin study found mi minuscule COVID rates in schools even with high community spread and with zero distancing rules within classes. CDC Director Walensky told her own mayor in Newton, Massachusetts back in July that it is quite safe and much more practical to be at three feet than at the uh, advised six feet. Then the White House directed her to meet with the teachers' union, and she put out over guidance relying on community spread metrics and six-feet distancing to keep schools closed, of course, until now. This comes shortly after the teachers' union secured their big demand of $125 million or more billion in federal funding in the Biden COVID exploitation bill, most of which won't even be spent until 2023 and later. So, mission accomplished. The New York Times even admitted, after being banging the drum for the six-foot uh, rule, that it was never based on science at all. And so much isn't, is it? In fact, when someone says, science teaches such and such, he's usually using the word incorrectly. Science doesn't teach anything. Experience teaches it. They say to you, science shows such and such. You might ask, how does science show that? And where did, the, where did the scientists find that out? How, where, and, and how, and what? It should not be science has shown, but this experience, this effect has shown. 
and you have that much as right as anyone else upon hearing upon the experiments be to be patient and listen to the evidence to judge whether a sensible conclusion has been arrived at. We hear so much in the name of science, six feet, wearing mask, all that. Should question it all. Where'd that come from? Science alone, of all the subjects, contained within itself the lessons of the danger of belief in the infallibility of the greatest teachers of the preceding generation. Science questions everything. It doesn't. Uh, it's <laughs> science is never settled, as they say. I love this story, and uh, not that we're not a sports uh, story. Uh, uh, program, but three years ago, a tiny Loyola of Chicago made an improbable run to the uh, college basketball Final Four. They wrote on the prayers and rosary of Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt, the now world-famous nun who's been the, with the number one fan of the Ramblers for more than seven decades. She became a national heartthrob, the most famous nun in the country. CBS featured her during every game, and now she's 101 years young. And ready to be there in Indianapolis, she had her va vaccination shot. She's now in a wheelchair but feels great, tests negative 30 times. But the NCAA and pro-lockdown officials vote vetoed her presence. I want to go so badly, she said to the Chicago Tribune. They said you can't, that there's restrictions, you can't run uh, down on the court, you can't talk to young men. And I said, I'm not going to run down on a court, and I'm not going to cause any disturbance, she said. I won't do things I'm not supposed to do, she said. The NCAA's uh, health bureaucrats would not budge. But the outrage from sports fans around the country and common sense have finally prevailed. Sister Jean will be allowed to attend the games she not only attended, she led a team prayer, which in many ways sounded like a scouting report, and the Loyalists of Chicago defeated the number one ranked Illinois team. I love March Madness. It's so much fun. And by the way, yesterday, if you follow the stuff, Florida lost to Oral Roberts last night in another Cinderella-type story. Amazing stuff. Finally, former President Trump released a statement in response to Biden's remarks on Sunday blaming his successor for turning a national triumph into a national disaster with his handling of the crisis, and we're talking about that on the border. We proudly handed the Biden administration the most secure border in history. All they had to do was to keep the smooth-running system on autopilot. Instead, in the span of just a few weeks, the Biden administration has turned a national triumph into a national disaster. They're the way that over their heads and taking on water fast, said, said Trump. The pathetic, clueless performance of Secretary of the, uh, of the Sunday Show showed that it was a national disgrace. His self-satisfied presentation in the middle of the massive crisis he helped engineer is yet more proof he's un incapable of leading the uh, Department of Health and Human Services. Even someone of Majorca's uh, limited ability should understand that if you provide catch and release on the world's illegal aliens, then the whole world will come. Uh, President could not have been more direct in his comments about Mayorkas and the gag order on the nation's, uh, nation's heroic border agents. Un unbelievable. President Trump back in the news again, and uh, he's not being silent about what he sees on the border. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks 
at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback I'm to the 60s, great, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Tatiana Fortune. She is the uh, Senior Director for the Golden Gate Senior Center. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, as I mentioned before the break. Uh, he is the founder and president publisher of HistoryCentral.com, a terrific website, multimedia website for kids of all ages, including you and I. He's also the author of several books, mainly on past presidents. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, as we have for the last several months, let's start off by talking about what's happening globally uh, with COVID-19. Okay, so let's look at um, first the good news where I am right now, which is in Tel Aviv, Israel. The vaccines have worked. Uh, the numbers have gone from 6,000 
a day down to five, six hundred a day and dropping. Number of critically ills has dropped, and the positive rate has now dropped below 1.5 percent on tests. So, and everything is reopened pretty much with very few exceptions. That's so great. Everything is back. People are living pretty much their normal lives, and the numbers keep on dropping. That's because uh, close to 60 percent of the adult population and 95 percent of those over 50 have all been vaccinated already. So the vaccines work and have taken hold, despite the fact that the British variant is the dominant variant in Israel, which is much more infectious. Hmm. Um, Europe is a lot more problematic. Um, there, the British variant arrived late um, and is now causing a great deal of havoc in both Italy and Germany and other countries. Their vaccine efforts really did not, has not have not gone well. Part of the reason was, as opposed to the United States, that basically threw a lot of money. Um, one of the great successes of the Trump administration was to throw a lot of money at the vaccine manufacturers and say, we take, and most importantly, take on the liability in case something goes wrong. The Europeans negotiated prices, waited very long, um, weren't willing to agree on liability, and as a result, they didn't get the number of vaccines that the United States has. And the distribution effort, despite having good health care systems, has certainly not been as efficient, not, nothing compared to Israel or, or even Britain, which has done an excellent job, Britain uh, has done an excellent job using its um, national health care system. And the United States now in the last, of course, six weeks, now that it's rolled out massive vaccine centers everywhere else, is also now catching up. Uh, but European Europe has done um, not nearly as well and is suffering right now new lockdowns, new closings. The United States has been in a has been in a battle between the new variants and the vaccinations, and pretty much it's been a draw right now. As you've noticed, the numbers have sort of remained pretty much even. Hopefully, the people will, you know, the, the vaccine will win the game here mm. um, at the moment. Just to mention a place that's a complete and utter disaster is Brazil. Brazil has a, its own variant that 300,000 deaths. Remember, mm. it's about the you know quarter the size of the United States in population, and uh, the healthcare system is completely collapsing in, in, in Brazil at the moment. Um, the um, Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, is a, was a denier of COVID, and the Brazilians are really paying the price at the moment with a collapsing healthcare system and deaths mm. beyond belief for, for that country. So interesting. Let's, no vaccines. So let's let's. Uh, the recommendation now has been that the, the distancing between kids for going to school is three feet instead of six feet. That's a recent development here in the United States. How's it going in Tel Aviv with regard to uh, kids going to school? Kids are all going back to school. Most of the infections now are actually amongst the kids. Um, and, of course, they don't get that sick. So the hope, of course, is that the... Um, and, again, the, the, the whole point in terms of kids getting sick is kids can bring it home to the adults in the family. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're really worried about. But in Israel, where most of the adults have now been vaccinated, that has become less of an issue. Uh, you know, the big concern that's sort of back there is that, you know, what if there's a long-term effect on kids of the uh, of COVID-19, even though they don't get really difficult symptoms when they get it. So hopefully that won't be the case. Um, and right now, well, right now it actually happens to be the Passover break, even though the Passover only starts next week. But generally all the schools have reopened fully. Mm. Um, basically no real limitations at this point. Um, and again, the vaccine is just what's what's doing it. The vaccine is working. The vaccine has basically beat the disease here for the moment. Hopefully there won't be a variant uh, that the vaccine will not be able to handle. So far, 
all indications are the vaccine works against all the variants. So the key everywhere in the world is to get as many people as vaccinated as possible. And really, we need to make sure that you know not only the United States gets vaccinated, but as many countries in the world get vaccinated, because the only way to make this disease go away is basically to get the whole world vaccinated. Right. So, we had an interesting uh, discussion between uh, uh, Rand Paul and uh, Fauci uh, with, uh, with regard to masks. Uh, Fauci was basically making the case that you need to wear a mask, even though you've already been vaccinated, and need to do so for an extended period of time. And and Rand Paul is basically saying, where's the science behind that? And uh, you know. Okay, so I think, uh, I think what the science behind that is, uh, remember something, the mask does not protect you. Right. It protects the other person. That's what people always seem to forget. By putting on a mask, you're not protecting yourself. You're protecting you from, uh, from sending out, uh, for sending out the, uh, fact, you know, sending out the disease to somebody else. And what's not clear at the moment in terms of the science is that even though when you're vaccinated, you do not, do not get sick, but it is not at all clear yet whether if you've gotten the disease, even though you've been vaccinated, and you don't get sick, you can't transmit the disease. And, and therein lies the problem. In other words, the, the concern among scientists is that you can transmit the disease once you've had the, you know, if you have the disease, even if you're vaccinated. And so again, the whole argument over, over, over masks forgets the fact that the issue is not, I can do whatever I want because I'm protecting myself and decide whether I want to protect myself. No, you're not protecting yourself. You're protecting the other people. Mm. And that's where this whole this thing has gotten sort of mixed up in the whole argument over masks, in my opinion. Well, I look forward to the day where we can all have a mask burning in the middle of town someplace. <laughs> I, mask, I just want to stop wearing them. No question about it. It's really... Really difficult, and here in Israel, you still have to wear masks, even the numbers are way down. No kidding. Um, so, well, let's look, Mark. I, I, we want to talk about so many other things. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. 
with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performance, and about the season's exciting productions, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I would imagine that's Mark Schulman. Let me see if that it perhaps might be Mark right now. now. I don't know where that is coming from, so I apologize for that. I'm sure it will stop. And just, I'm sure that's Mark Schulman trying to call me back. I lost him during the course of our conversation, which is really too bad. I'm hopeful we'll be able to continue it. He'll try this other number. Uh, I'm assuming right now he just tried uh, my cell phone number. In any event, uh, the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability creates policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And I just intended uh, their national meeting. Uh, they're also developing a program to create more election integrity. So they got some great things going on on that front as well. So a prominent Washington, D.C. Circuit Court Judge Lawrence Silberman warned in his dissent in a case that the media has become very close to one party, and that would be a Democrat control. He's no ordinary judge, according to Wikipedia. He's uh, uh, born in 1935, an American lawyer, jurist, and government official who serves as the circuit judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District Court. He was appointed in October 1985 by Ronald Reagan and took senior status on November the 1st, 2000. On June the 11th, 2008, George W. Bush awarded Silverman the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So a very accomplished judge. Judge Silverman released a dissent in a case where he took on big media bias and he wrote in his dissent, this is very important, although the bias against the Republican Party is not just controversial to individuals, it's rather shocking today that uh, uh, this is not new. It's long-term secular trend going back at least to the 70s, he wrote. Two of the three most influential papers, at least historically, the New York Times and the Washington Post, are virtually Democrat Party broadsheets, and the new section of these Wall Street Journal leans to the same direction. The orientation of these three papers is followed by the Associated Press and most large papers across the country, such as the Los Angeles Times, Miami Herald, and the Boston Globe, nearly all television network, cable, is a Democrat party up trumpet. Even the government-supported National Public Radio follows the long in the same course. He accused Silicon Valley of filtering news in ways favorable to the Democrat party and fueling censorship, citing the suppression of the New York Post bombshell report on Hunter Biden in the final weeks of the 2020 presidential election. It is well accepted that the viewpoint discrimination raises the specter that government may effectively drive certain ideas or viewpoints from the marketplace, he said, 
but ideological hom homogeneity in the media or in the channels of information distribution risk repressing certain ideas from the public consciousness just as surely as if it ex access were restricted by the government. Finally, Silverman took on the current one-party control of the press and media. He said, it should be borne in mind that the first step taken by any potential authoritarian or dictatorial regime is to gain control of communications, particularly in the delivery of the news. It's fair to conclude, he said, therefore, that one-party control of the press and the media is a threat to, the viable, to a viable democracy, he continued. It may even give rise to the counter, countervailing extremism. The First Amendment guarantees a free press to foster a vibrant trade in ideas, but a biased press can distort the marketplace, and when the media has proven its unwillingness, it, or if its eagerness to distort, then it's a profound mistake to just stand by unjustified legal rules that serve only to enhance the press's power. This is such a powerful statement. I'm so, I'm so really pleased that he made this in a dissenting opinion. We couldn't agree more. The media in the U.S. is more like the third of the world banana republics that of the news media from decades ago in the U.S. Of course, there have been always been liberal efforts to control the news, but the U.S. has long surpassed having a free and fair press in the mainstream media with the advent of the far-left social media giants. So we, we really need to do something about the suppression of the news across the United States. And the president used to call it fake news. We were certainly right about that. He never, that never corrected it. It simply brought attention to the fact that the news is fake. But remember, even when uh, uh, Bobolinsky came out and made his comments about uh, Hunter Biden, that was suppressed. And there's no way that most people, once they found out what, what was happening, said they would have never voted for Biden. So uh, the news now has so much, you know, especially social media outlets have so much control right now in, uh, in uh, suppressing the news. It's not good. Well, news did break this weekend that the federal government is investigating Baltimore State Attorney's Marilyn Mosby and her husband, City Council President Nick Mosby. Multiple subpoenas have been served in the continuing investigation. Mosby is suspected of using campaign funds to pay personal legal fees. No big surprise there. Marilyn, her husband, called the investigation a witch hunt. Marilyn Mosby uh, made national headlines after she charged six Baltimore police officers in the death of Freddie Gray. Do you remember that? It was later revealed that Mosby's charged the wrong people, used the wrong names and wrong addresses for two of the officers. She charged six so local police officers with murder and manslaughter in the death of serial criminal Freddie Gray on May the 1st, 2015. She ended up dropping all charges against all six officers after losing her first two cases of manslaughter. Finally, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is pretty interesting. Former President Donald Trump will be back on social media in the near future with his own service according to one of his senior advisors. He was banned from Twitter following the January 6th Capitol riots. He's now been a prolific poster on the platform before and using his presidency. I do think that we're going to see President Trump returning to social media in probably about two to three months here with his own platform 
This according to senior advisor Jason Miller. And this is something that I think will be the hottest ticket in social media. It's going to be completely to redefine the game. And everybody's going to want to be waiting and watching to see what exactly Trump does. Miller said he was unable to provide much more in terms of details at this point, but he did reveal that Trump has been having a high-powered meetings or having high-powered meetings at Mar-a-Lago with various teams regarding the venture, and that numerous companies have approached Trump. A new platform is going to be big, he said, predicting that Trump will draw tens of millions of people. In the meantime, Miller said that Trump will continue to endorse President Republican candidates, teasing one that is expected to come on Monday. Paying attention to George tomorrow on, on Monday, there's a big endorsement that's coming, and that's going to be really shake things up in the political landscape in Georgia. It's big. It's coming tomorrow. Just be sure to tune in. That is so interesting to me uh, to see that the president is going to be starting his own media platform. I think I'll certainly join, and uh, I'm sure that many of our followers will as well. But if you can think about this, the president had 80 million followers uh, when they kicked him off social media, off of Twitter, and off of Facebook. Well, where do you think those followers are going to go once he joins, once he starts his own platform? I'm quite certain a lot of those folks are going to follow him. And a lot of folks who don't necessarily follow him are going to go to his new platform, whatever that might be. So interesting. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. Larry is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, we're going to do uh, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Tatiana Fortune from the uh, Golden Gate uh, Senior Center. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. Larry is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Larry, tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. FEE, as we call it, is a private organization funded by individuals all over the country because they believe in our mission, which is to educate and inspire young people in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, and personal character. And uh, listeners can learn a lot more about us by visiting our website at feefee.org. Great organization. I've attended national meetings. and just encourage you, if there's a young person in your life who's college or high school age, get them involved, at least introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee.org, again, is the website. So, Larry, March 16th was a big day year, big day, I should say, for 400 years later, Samoset uh, met the Pilgrims. Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. Yeah, this important event happened 400 years ago this past uh, Tuesday on March 16, 1621. The Pilgrims uh, had uh, landed, of course, with the Mayflower in the previous December, and they had just made it through their uh, first winter, not very well, as a matter of fact. Quite a few of them died. So they were a struggling new colony. And on that March 16 date, uh, an English-speaking Indian, no less, from the Abenaki tribe, tribe which was up in uh, what is present-day Maine, walked into the Plymouth colony and strode up to the astonished pilgrims, and requested a beverage brewed from fermented cereal grains. And here's what he's recorded as having said. This is in Governor Bradford's uh, journal. He said, Welcome, Englishman. Do you have beer? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? That's absolutely true. (laughs) It turned out he had learned his English uh, along the coast of Maine in interacting with English fishermen. But what are the chances that the pilgrims would run into him just when they really needed somebody uh, as friendly and as helpful as he proved to be? Uh, he proved to be indeed. By the way, did he not end up getting some beer? <laughs> no. Uh, I pointed out in my article that the pilgrims were not teetotalers. They would have had beer on normal occasions, but they didn't on this one. But they did have brandy, and they called it strong water. They gave it to him also uh According to the account, biscuits and butter and cheese and pudding and a piece of mallard, which was a pretty good meal for a bunch of starving colonists uh, to offer, and Samuelset liked it pretty well. Yeah, so now a lot developed out of this relationship, and uh, many people just don't realize how helpful the Indians were to the colonists in actually uh, developing their new lives there in the, in, uh, in the New World. That's right. Uh, Samoset immediately befriended them. He was interested in uh, uh, working with the uh, uh, English settlers all along the eastern seaboard. 
because he knew that uh, there were some really bad tribes out there, and making an alliance with uh, these settlers could be helpful to his tribe. But uh, even more helpful, about three days later, actually uh, it was about seven days later, six days later, on March 22nd, Samboset uh, returned to the Plymouth colony, and he brought with him another English-speaking Indian named Squanto, uh, Squanto had been kidnapped by an English ship captain some years before, taken to Europe. Uh, he learned English there and eventually made his way back, only to discover that his entire uh, tribe had been, had been wiped out. There wasn't a single one left uh, mm. by a plague. Uh, but now he came with Samoset, and he actually stayed for some time and taught the pilgrims uh, how to grow some of the local crops, and um, he was a great help. Uh, growing corn especially, I guess, was uh, something that was foreign to uh, the, the uh, settlers, uh, William Bradford and the, in Plymouth Colony. So, you know, uh, one of the things that people are not aware of is the fact that uh, the first attempt at settling uh, in, in Plymouth was uh, the, the whole notion of settling, uh, making it a communist effort to making sure to, for people actually to throw everything together and to try and build the colony together to uh, to to make it work. Yeah, the agreement that the pilgrims had made with their English investors back in London was that uh, they would uh, grow their crops, put them in a common storehouse, and then distribute them equally to each other. And the investors back in Britain thought, uh, hey, you know, this is the best way uh, to uh, keep them all together. Well, it proved to be disastrous. As Governor Bradford, uh, the first uh, governor of the Plymouth Colony, actually the second governor, uh, he got, did away with it after a year or two because he discovered that uh, the, the pilgrims had no incentive to be industrious, that some of the uh, uh, settlers were slackers. They'd just sleep in in the morning and wait until somebody else brought them uh, their share of the produce instead of working for it. And so after a year or two, Bradford said, enough of that uh, so-called communal socialism. We're going to have private property. Now you're going to have incentive uh, to turn it into something, and uh, you get to keep the fruits of your labor. And that's a big reason why, along with the help from Squanto, that the pilgrims subsequently prospered. Yeah, I mean, he actually divided up and uh, uh, took the land, gave a parcel of land to each family, and as a consequence, each family had the motivation then to make it productive and to do something with it that could perhaps not only take care of their family, but create something for trade as well. Yeah, private property makes all the difference in the world. If you want to trash any society, uh, just uh, take property that isn't yours and and, and guarantee property uh, uh, to everybody, whether... Uh, they contribute to the process or not, and then you'll have lots of slackers who will be happy to take and lots of uh, makers who stop making and become takers themselves. Yeah, we could be watching that right before our own eyes here, Larry, yeah. unfortunately. So, uh, but by the way, uh, there was a private transaction. Uh, Sam said and ended up being a landowner here in the, uh, in the New World. Yeah, Sam said uh, for more than 30 years, uh, recognized the mutually beneficial alliances and treaties he could make with the European colonists to help his own people survive wars and plagues and slave traders and so forth. And in 1625, he signed the first land sale transaction between the eastern uh, coastal Indians and the colonists. He deeded uh, 12,000 acres to John Brown 
uh, and that very process established that the true true owners of the land in the New World were the Indians, not the English crown. And he signed the deed and uh, uh, lived until 1653. Amazing story. And, uh, you know, so many other great stories on the on the website, fee, F-E-E dot org. Again, I encourage you to uh, visit the website. Uh, and uh, this story is so interesting. You'll find it right there on the website, fee.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Tatiana Fortune. She is the Senior Center Director uh, for the Golden Gate Senior Center. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website NADC. Kids.com. You'll be glad you did. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, take a look at Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. All you have to do is just go to choicesocial.us. I post my shows on Choice Social. I think you'll find it very interesting. Right now we have with us Tatiana Fortune. She is the Senior Center Director for the Golden Gate Senior Center. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, Tatiana. So tell us about the Golden Gate Senior Center. The Golden Gate Senior Center is operated by Call You Senior Resources, our nonprofit. And uh, we've been in existence since 2014, serving the community in Golden Gate, um, helping 
our seniors who are dealing with isolation and loneliness. We partner with a lot of various community organizations to provide needed services, such as a hot lunch program every day, uh, food pantry activities, uh, exercise classes, recreational services, as well as social services for individuals who need financial assistance. And a lot more. <laughs> you know, and a lot more indeed. You know, and I just want to underscore the importance of, uh, you know, what happens over time is people do become isolated. Uh, number one is their friends become sick or infirmed or, or die. Uh, but uh, slowly but surely, people start, start to drift away in their lives. And it just, it's good health. And to uh, continued uh, uh, mental as well as physical health to maintain yeah. good relationships. And that's one of the things. That's the Senior Center provides. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there, Bob. Um, and that's all of what we provide because we want to make sure that people feel supported and that they have the resources and the connections um, for them as they grow older. Yeah. So uh, how many people are How many people do you serve? Yeah, so we have our membership of over 1,400, and uh, of course, with COVID, we had several uh, challenges. We had to be closed, um, you know, for that time period for several months in 2020, hmm. and we're not able to serve as many, so we had to uh, switch towards our virtual programs to help reach a lot of those other people. Yeah, and so, so what do those virtual programs look like? I mean... Uh, that, I'm sure it kind of interrupted the the, uh, the mission of the organization. Yes, it did interrupt because um, primarily our uh, purpose is to bring people together. And so in the middle of a pandemic, um, especially um, with that, with the COVID um, situation of that nature, we were not able to open up our site and bring seniors into our building where they relied on um, every single day to meet with a friend, to have a hot lunch, to uh, have a cup of coffee. And so um, it, it interrupted us significantly. Uh, but we've been able to to offer virtual programs such as exercise classes, art classes, through our partnership with the United Arts Council. We were also able to offer um, counseling um, for individuals that needed more support. So if uh, somebody wanted to get involved, somebody wanted to, uh, for example, do you, first of all, do you have volunteers? Do you use volunteers? Oh, yes, we can use volunteers. We um, hope to continue to offer additional programming and we'll need more volunteers in the coming months. And they can reach out to us via our um, website at goldengateseniorcenter.org or calling our center directly and leaving a voicemail, 239-252-4541. Yeah, so I'm supposing all this costs money. What, how, how are you funded? Yeah, we're funded primarily through uh, private donations, individual and uh, family contributions. Also, we receive uh, grants from uh, local community foundations and um, philanthropic organizations. So who, who, uh, qualifies, uh, who qualifies for benefits? In other words, do you have to be a certain age? Do you have to live in a certain community? Yeah, so really the requirement is age 60 and older. Um, a senior living in Collier County, uh, you know, we are based in Golden Gate, but anyone can access our um, services and programs um, throughout Collier County, so age 60 and older. Sounds like a fantastic organization, and uh, do you have any events coming up or anything that's, uh, uh, that uh, our, our listeners could be looking forward to? 
Yes, we um, have a couple of different activities. For example, um, in the coming month or so, we'll be opening back up with our bingo, in-person bingo. A lot of people enjoy that. Um, and in the meantime, we do offer our virtual programming. Uh, we have our art classes, as I mentioned, as well as some exercise classes. Um, and that information can be found on our website on how people can log in and participate. All right. And again, the website is? GoldenGateSeniorCenter.org is the website. Tatiana, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, uh, uh, Dr. David Gertler is a former Yale professor and pharmacology and biotechnology, previously served as an FDA medical officer and analyst at the FDA Drug device and vaccine safety as expert. He was appointed by the White House to the FDA senior executive leadership team and served as a senior advisor to the FDA commissioner. Uh, and uh, right now what he's seeing going on with the FDA, he's not very happy about. He says as a former FDA drug expert, during the Trump and Obama administrations, I'm worried about the safety of our public health in 2021. And I'm not talking about COVID-19, he says. Thanks to Donald Trump's administration's brilliant endeavor to collaborate with Pfizer and Moderna and extraordinary efforts of every scientist at Operation Warp Speed, we'll soon have the horrible Wuhan China pandemic in our rearview mirror. I find it sad and offensive that Barack Obama glibly dismissed the massive effort that led to the novel ingenuity behind COVID vaccine development as a as not rocket science. I didn't realize that he'd done that, but. <laughs> Oh, well, most politicians like Obama only vaguely understand pharmacology and drug development. As a scientist, I'm therefore concerned today because along with scores of other political appointees, I was abruptly shown the door the minute Joe Biden was sworn in in the White House. And even though he didn't and still doesn't have the FDA commissioner or senior advisor replacement for us. That's hard to believe, but it's true. As a result, the critical and nonpartisan public health projects that we've been working on or under the Trump White House came to an unceremonious grinding halt, he said. The Biden administration did care about our ep epidemiology and our drug safety initiatives. They just wanted us gone. This was profoundly unfortunate and has adversely affected America's public health. As a pharmacist, I have conceived of and founded the world's first analytical pharmacy, which measured the uh, milligram strength and purity of pharmaceutical products and was hoping to implement the strategy. Uh, and uh, alarmingly, our, our nation has become dependent on China and India to produce many of our pharmaceuticals across the past decade. Overseas labor is cheap, quality is mystery, and FDA inspections are rare and aggressively unwelcome. And the falsification of quality control Data by bad actors is much too easy. This is very alarming. This is why I've been working on requiring independent analytical release testing for imported pharmaceuticals at the new safety standards at FDA. Right now, nobody is comprehensively testing the quality of our drugs from China and India. It's outrageous, right? And yet such work is critical to ensuring safety of the American public. He goes on, the safety of American... Americans' health isn't and shouldn't be a polarizing issue. 
For over a year, and with the assistance of others, I've been laboring on advancing the following tasks, which have been dissolved or are no longer underway thanks to the Biden administration. Advancing state-of-the-art human tissue microplating and research to expedite drug discovery, this technology could eventually eliminate the outdated and cruel animal testing that's currently mandated by the FDA. All Americans love their pets, and animal testing has never been at all that enlightening with regard to human drug safety, despite the massive kill rate. Clearly, labeling pharmacy bottles so that each drug's uh, country of origin is identified, giving consumers transparency and a choice about where their pharmaceuticals come from. And he goes on with a long list of other suggestions, too. So I wanted to bring you uh, this to your uh, awareness. Fact of the matter is he fired everybody from the FDA and hasn't replaced anybody. The consequence is some good work that was underway. And by the way, nonpartisan, the work that they were doing had nothing to do with politics at all. It's all been suspended or forgotten. Unfortunately, uh, it'll be very difficult to pick up without the people who were involved. But uh, just another way that the Biden administration, my, in my opinion, is letting down the American people. Certainly not uh, making America great again. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, well, tomorrow, we'll look forward to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. She's also head of the Rules Committee at the, in the Senate. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen and find out what's new with Boo. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Les Government. He'll be joining us, as well as my wife, Linda. Uh, we'll be talking about current local and global affairs as well. I always appreciate your feedback on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at, at hotmail.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter I send out after each show at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>